electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Pete Buttigieg on crumbling infrastructure. We're not trying to get gold-plated water pipes to everybody. We're just trying to get ones that don't have any lead. And the bipartisan talks crumbling, too. The transportation secretary weighs in on all of it. It's uh, Secretary Mayor Pete. I'll take it. I don't know if it rolls off the tongue. Then AT&T divesting media assets and going back to phones. Sarah Fisher of Axios. It's great for the first time we're hearing great things about the fundamentals. We're not being distracted by this media stuff that, quite frankly, is not going to be as important to their business long term. Those stories plus Elon Musk on Dogecoin (laughs) and Bitcoin. He doesn't dump. Bitcoin. Everybody dumps, right? What's that? There's a book written for kids called that, isn't there? I think it's everybody poops. Oh, okay. And keeping it safe when you need more power. The Carton family should sponsor an underground effort. It's Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Feels like a Friday. It's not just yet, but hang in there. It's the summer. Thursday's a really good day, too. We've got an update now on the bipartisan infrastructure bill yesterday. A key procedural vote on the plan failing to pass the full Senate. That after Republicans united in opposition, the measure was a placeholder for the actual bill. Now, yesterday morning, Senator Bob Portman told us The bill was just not ready, and the Republicans made it clear they weren't going to vote for it. Today, we're not going to be able to support moving forward. We will be able to on Monday, and I hope that's what the majority leader decides to do, is to put this vote off till Monday. If he doesn't, he'll offer the vote again on Monday, I believe, and we'll be ready to go. Democratic leader Chuck Schumer calling it a minor setback as he reserves the right to reintroduce the bill for a vote at any time. I have been very clear about what this vote is. This vote is only the first step in the legislative process on the Senate floor. This vote is not a deadline to have every final detail worked out. It is not an attempt to jam anyone. I don't know the rules, but he had to vote no yesterday to reserve the right to bring it back at any time. And it looks like Monday, even Rob, uh, you know, is quoted as saying probably, but but they were 11 votes short. They weren't even close, so it wasn't going to happen. Yesterday, but the 11, or I forget how many, Rob has a, a letter signed by enough. Looks like they got 60. To do he said there's still some key Monday. points that they're negotiating with right, the White that House that they want to see finished. But up they're before. they're minor and they're going to go ahead with it. And there's you know a lot of Republicans think, why would you knowing what's coming after it? Why would you go ahead? And there we asked him yesterday. And he said because we need right infrastructure. Thing to do. Yeah, right. he said, right. Well, he says it's the right thing. To do. Ethereum, uh, along with Bitcoin, rising yesterday after Tesla CEO Elon Musk said he owns the uh, cryptocurrency as well. He made the comment at the B-Word conference hosted by the Crypto Council for Innovation. Musk has been accused of using his celebrity to move the price of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. He addressed that during the conference. I might pump, but I don't dump. (laughs) Um, 
you know, it, it's not a case of, um, I, I definitely do not believe in, in getting the price high and selling or anything like that. Um, so, uh, and I would like to see Bitcoin succeed. SpaceX owns it, he owns it, and Tesla owns it. Right. So Kathy Wood hook. suggested that, that there are other companies that might start adding it to their balance sheets too to act as a hedge. And um, yep. interesting. Well, we've heard that, I mean, we've heard that from both sides. We've heard, you know, Kathy Woods will say that and Mike Novogratz will say that. And then we'll have people like, you know, Larry Fink will say that nobody's talking to him about this in sort of either the sovereigns or true corporate America. So I, I, it's sort of hard to know who's actually, I mean, and, and one has a much greater incentive than the other. Right, but there has been more adoption than anyone thought in the last 12 months, a lot more mainstream type action. That's why, you know, it's had the move it's had. Still, the move is, you know, it's still 32,000. It was at like four a couple of years ago, 4,000. Uh, Musk also said Tesla would start, uh, likely start accepting Bitcoin for purchases again for vehicles. He said he wanted to confirm that the percentage of renewable energy use for Bitcoin mining is at 50, above 50%. He confirmed that he still holds Bitcoin. And as he said, he, he doesn't dump. Uh, and uh, also his companies do too. Tesla and SpaceX must, huh? Bitcoin. Doesn't that. Everybody dumps, right? What's that? There's a book written for kids called that, isn't there? I think it's everybody poops. Oh, okay. Different. Uh, Musk also explain. Thank you. Musk also explain. What is going on? You, you know on the book. Every, everybody poops, Andrew. Uh, uh, it's, I, it's true. It's true. Musk also uh, explained his love of Dogecoin, which started as a joke, like uh, that one, uh, but it's uh, since gained traction. The Doge community, I think, has uh, is somewhat irreverent, obviously, and uh, is uh, has great memes and loves dogs, and I, I love dogs and memes, and um, uh, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. The price of Dogecoin also uh, rose on Mr. Musk's comments. California utility company PG&E said it plans to bury 10,000 miles of power lines to reduce wildfire risk throughout Northern California. The estimated cost up to $20 billion. It's a reversal of the company's earlier stance that doing so would be prohibitively expensive. The company's CEO, Patty Poppy, uh, took over in January of this year. She said the company uh, had long argued that undergrounding was too expensive, but uh, now they believe it's uh, too expensive not to bury those wires underground. PG&E's equipment has ignited more than 20 California wildfires in just the past several years that have collectively killed more than 100 people and burned thousands of homes. Most of the fires were sparked uh, when trees or branches touched the company's wires. I've always thought, not just in California, right. but as an infrastructure plan across America, if you want just jobs, right. bury right. the wires. Right. And by the it way, looks better, you look, but... have you looked in the sky in New York? I mean, have you seen that some of these wildfires? Oh, yeah, it's come all the way over here. Come yeah. away all the way Is over here. Is that what's causing it here, too? Red, yes. red, red sun, yes. red moons. That's, if like you, two days ago when we yes, had the Yes, if warnings. you look up in the sky, that's what's going on. So when people say, saw it out west you know, recently. one thing's yeah. over here versus, it's all Not it's to all mention, it's, it's unsightly. Not that you would never do it for that reason, which is why they said, no, it's too expensive. But then once you realize how much liability you have right. for everything that's happening. Lives at risk, yeah. It makes more sense yeah. to... Yeah. 
I like to bury all the wires. I've got some wires oh. on my property today. I look at it, it's ugh, you know, in the back running along. I think the Kern family should sponsor a uh, an underground an effort. That's an idea. A little, little mini infrastructure plan. But it couldn't go, you know, along the neighborhood and then down under mine and could back do that. up. Really? Yeah. For enough you, money, you actually, Joe, you could do you whatever you want. You can do that. I know contractors are coming and bury the lines that go to the to the people's. It's it's houses. possible. Just, just cost right, Joe. Let me, let me do a cost, cost analysis. I'm going to do a cost, cost analysis. analysis. just like Poppy. And then they will stay where they like are. Like Patty Poppy. Patty Poppy. Next on Swap Pod. You can see the need in different forms in every part of the country. Fixing roads, bridges, and train tunnels. Bipartisan deal stalled on the tracks. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. What's not complicated is the need to get something big done on infrastructure, which is what the president and many Republicans and Democrats have agreed to do. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Stand under by. In this three, is Squawk two, Pod. One, Q Ander. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross, working along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Senate Republicans blocking uh, the beginning of a debate on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Well, that was to be expected. Uh, yesterday's vote was only procedural and the chamber could take up the plan again as soon as Monday. Uh, following the vote, the 22-member bipartisan group said in a statement that they've made significant progress on a deal and are close to a final agreement. Join us now with the White House's take and the road ahead for an infrastructure package Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and I come up with it, it's, it's uh, Secretary Mayor Pete. That's what we were trying to go, we were trying to go back and forth. Is it Secretary Pete? Is it Mayor Pete? I think it's Secretary Mayor Pete. Does that work I'll for you? I'll take it. I don't know. I don't know if it rolls off the tongue, but uh, I'll answer to that gladly. But we know you as Mayor Pete, so Secretary Mayor Pete. Okay. Uh, watch. Everybody's going to be doing this uh, from here on out. Yesterday, was sort of expected it almost looked like uh, Majority Leader Schumer was expecting it because he voted no so he could bring it up again. It, it was almost uh, a foregone conclusion that it was not complete, not totally done, not all the, uh, the kinks were worked out. So uh, pushing it off till Monday. Was there any disappointment or, or it's going along as planned? The secretary. Yeah, you're right. This was expected. And, and this is where we get to see the legislative process and all of its procedural complexity. But what's not complicated is the need to get something big done on infrastructure, which is what the president and many Republicans and Democrats have agreed to do. And I saw it myself. I was on the road last week and you can see the need in different forms in every part of the country. 
uh, you know, uh, from uh, right there in New York, where, where you have the Hudson River, River tunnels, you got people depending on, uh, you know, the absolute state-of-the-art construction technology from 1910. Uh, whether you look at uh, Oregon and the safety improvements that they're trying to make on their roads, uh, what needs to be done in Chicago to connect up the south side, uh, tribal lands in, in Arizona, where they have serious safety issues because of underinvestment in roads. Literally every part of this country sees the need. And I think that's why you have this incredible level of bipartisan agreement. In fact, today, the president and the vice president will be sitting down with labor and business leaders who, uh, on economic issues, are very often on opposite sides, but uh, are on the very same side right now, which is that we've got to get this bipartisan infrastructure framework through and to the president's desk for a signature. We've had a couple of uh, people from the other side on in the, in the last couple of days. We had, uh, you saw Kevin Brady, I don't know whether you're watching, he was on earlier uh, we'll get into some of his comments. But we also had uh, Senator Portman, one of the lead negotiators on the GOP. He was, he was on yesterday. And I think that, you know, some of his colleagues are probably not happy uh, with the senators on the Republican side that are going to go ahead with this. He said it's the right thing to do in, in terms of infrastructure, to do this, this first plan, the, the trillion-dollar plan. This is the infrastructure package that is built from the middle out. It is totally bipartisan. Uh, it's very responsible. It has no tax increases, as you know. But it also funds something essential, which is uh, the infrastructure that's crumbling around America. We, we know that our infrastructure is in tough shape. But both Rob and uh, Kevin Brady uh, both don't want it linked to that second $3.5 trillion, what you would call human infrastructure, uh, Mr. Secretary. The president, I think, probably killed this whole infrastructure package with that statement. And even though he's tried to walk it back, Speaker Pelosi and, and Senator Schumer have not. They are linking it, excuse me, to the infrastructure. That's why there won't be bipartisan support. Is it still linked? Will it be, in your view, would, would uh, Speaker Pelosi require uh, that to be done first before allowing the other one to go forward? Well, it wasn't linked yesterday, right? The, the vote they took in the Senate was on the infrastructure piece. Uh, and, and I hear a lot of this talk about whether it's linked or whether it's paired, but nobody's been able to explain to me in clear terms exactly what that even means. I think this is more uh, of a kind of uh, art than a science. And, and frankly, that, that's more about the politics that different members have to worry about. And I respect that. But the basic idea here is, you know, we're hoping that Republicans can vote with us on the stuff they can support. And then they'll vote against us on the part that they can't. Although I also want to say, I refuse to give up on the idea that at least some Republicans might come around and vote for Americans to have paid family leave, might come around and vote for us to cut child poverty in half by extending the child tax credit, might come around and vote for an idea like making sure three and four-year-olds can get pre-kindergarten education or that we can have community college. Those are the right thing to do. Uh, economists tell us they'll grow the economy. But <laughs> you're right. I mean, right now, uh, these are on two different paths. The infrastructure part we can do together. The other might be all Democrats. Just a, a different angle on, on, on that thinking. We'd like to do a, a lot of things. And there was a, a more recent uh, analysis of the $3.5 trillion that puts it if, if you get rid of some of the tricks, puts it at five to five point five trillion. Uh, add in the other trillion that we're talking about, and we are at about six trillion plus. Uh, the, the president was asked yesterday about the transitory nation at a town hall on a uh, on a competing uh, network, which I think was in Cincinnati, actually, mm -hmm. where, where I'm going to be headed soon. But uh, and and to, he was asked to address the, the the worries about inflation. Can you honestly tell me, uh, 
Mr. Secretary, you don't have any, uh, you, you wouldn't worry at all about adding another, layering another $6 trillion worth of debt, what that might do to the dollar, what it might do to, to input costs, what it might do across the board to our, uh, you know, our, our financial situation in the United States. Well, of course, we need to watch carefully the, the balance in, in our economy and, and work to get it right. That's something we do in fiscal policy. It's something that the Fed does very well. I think it's one of the reasons why the latest report out from Moody's uh, suggests that uh, some of this talk about inflation is overdone. And uh, you know, the idea that this is too much, this is just what it takes to get the U.S. to the level we should have been at all along. Remember, uh, we're not trying to get uh, you know, gold-plated water pipes to everybody. We're just trying to get ones that don't have any lead. Uh, we've fallen to 13th place, the richest, wealthiest economy, biggest economy in the world, in, not even in the top 10 in infrastructure. We've got to get this right. Now you're back to the trillion. There's the trillion in, in infrastructure where we're 13th, and then there's the, the 5 trillion of, all, of the wish list yeah, so Democrats let's look at this other stuff, for, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the idea that the wealthiest country in the world can't come up with a policy to do paid family leave when pretty much every other country in the world, not even just the wealthy ones, already has it. The idea that the wealthiest country in the world can't maintain macroeconomic balance while having three and four-year-olds well, go there, to pre There's concerns that if, if your debt sense. service gets too high, Mr. Secretary, there are concerns that your debt service gets high if interest rates eventually go up to where the overall growth of the economy is hurt for years, five, 10 years to go. And, and GDP is a point or two below what it would have been. So no one's trying to, to take anything away from anyone. They're just trying to, to strike a balance where you have the best, as you said, financial picture to, to try to grow GDP as, as quickly as you can, and everyone benefits. So there's, there's a definite disagreement about how you get there, depending on uh, you know, which side of the aisle you're on. Sure, yeah. I mean, we think we ought to get to that balance by making sure we collect the right amount of revenue, too. And, and what to us is in no-brainer. Which also has some, some downside. Also has some downside on, on the more money that goes into the public sector versus staying in the private sector. Let me ask you about flights coming in from, from Europe. Do you think the DOT should change the... Uh, the requirements and, and start letting people in. Now that we've already got Delta, what's the rationale for keeping people from the UK or from Europe out when Delta's already here? Yeah, well, first of all, I, sh I should be clear, it's not a DOT decision, but we are at the table in the interagency as these decisions are being made. Uh, obviously, uh, from a DOT perspective, we can't wait to have uh, travel back to normal as much as possible, but it, it's got to be safe. And, uh, you know, the idea of these restrictions, of course, is to make sure that there is a uh, a manageable flow while we're looking after all of the other public health imperatives. we got a lot of countermeasures now, ones we've been relying on all along, like masks, ones that uh, we, we have that we didn't have last year, like the vaccine. Uh, but as you look at what's happening around the world, countries that have made a lot of progress now seeming to fall back, you look at the trouble we're having here in the U.S., obviously it's not going to be a straight path. What I will say is two things. First of all, nobody's going to be more uh, delighted than me when we can safely restore more international travel. Number two, the biggest thing all of us can do to move into that world is to make sure that we have as many people here in the U.S. and for that matter around the world vaccinated as quickly as possible. Mr. Secretary, uh, we just spoke to Doug Parker, the CEO of American Airlines, and, and one of the questions I asked him uh, was the idea of whether they would be supportive of uh, vaccination uh, mandates domestically. And I, I'd ask you the same question because there are opportunities to create, if you will, forcing mechanisms for the public 
that would create real incentives for people to get vaccinated that it might not be. And one of them may be getting on airplanes. So we don't believe in, in uh, certainly the government uh, forcing people to do anything like that. Uh, what you do see is, is private businesses making decisions about how to protect their customers and how to protect their, their workers. This is a big part of what it's taken to get the cruise industry back on track. And I think uh, you know, that's something that uh, these, uh, uh, these companies will continue to need to explore and, and develop as we move forward. Mr. Secretary, um, we know about GM recalling some of the Bolt vehicles, the electric vehicles that they have um, for, because of the potential for fire. They have a fix, but we've seen a few fires that have come even after the fix. What's the Department of Tra Transportation doing uh, to make sure that the, these cars are safe? Well, look, our, our bottom line is safety, and, and that's especially true when it comes to the automotive industry and, and vehicles that people count on. That could be, uh, you know, there are new technologies and, and there are new issues that need to be assessed, but uh, the fundamental concept is not new, which is that uh, we want Americans to be able to know with, with total certainty that every part of a, of a car from the, uh, the seatbelt to, uh, uh, to the engine uh, is going to be safe. And, and uh, uh, we look after that very rigorously with the standards that we have and expect industry to step up and meet those standards. Secretary, did, is there any possibility of, of usage fees that could be somehow made uh, more progressive to, to do some of this, that always seems like a, a pretty good idea. I mean, gas prices have gone up recently, but you look at inflation adjusted, there's, there's some room there. Um, instead of trying to get everything just, just from new taxes, isn't it possible to do something with either a gas tax or, or usage fees? That's, that's, what, that's, that's what we think about when we think infrastructure for transportation. Why not do it that way? Well, a, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, the president believes strongly that, that Americans making less than $400,000 a year already uh, are uh, paying enough, more than enough. And uh, a second reason is we don't have to, right? We found a way to fully fund the president's entire economic vision in a way that actually has a deficit going down in the out years. That was, that was part of the original proposal of the American Jobs Plan uh, without having to turn to these user fees because there's so much money on the table in these loopholes uh, enforcement and, and other issues. Uh, a third point I would make, though, is uh, we've reached such a level of disinvestment, such a level of backlog, uh, that even if you had some ridiculously large increase in user fees, it wouldn't come anywhere close to meeting the need. So it wouldn't get us there. We don't have to go there in order to fund the program. It just doesn't add up right now uh, as part of the path forward. The last thing, I'm just to get a little more technical and philosophical, because I know this is a, a, a uh, sophisticated audience. Pays yeah, our viewers can handle it. Go ahead, Mr. Sector. You know, when you think about it, the user is not always the beneficiary. And, and if you look at what happens when, uh, you know, a, 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 an owner operator of a truck is, uh, is paying what, what they pay, uh, and you map all the way through the, the value chain of, you know, certainly they benefit from being able to drive on, on a good road uh, for their small business. But uh, you think about where most of that value gets captured. Uh, it's actually more likely to be captured by the kind of large corporate entity that we're trying to make sure pays its fair share of federal income taxes uh, than by the guy who's, who's driving those goods along the road. So I think we do need to get to a new maybe level of, of philosophical conversation about how we fund a lot of these things in, in this country. Uh, but the bottom line right now in this plan is we don't have to go there. All those those fat cat Tesla guys and those really nice Teslas would be laughing at the gas tax. They'd be, you know, they'd be like, what's up? 
Well, no, I was just going to also, so while we're on taxes, yeah. part of the infrastructure plan included the IRS tax issue that we talked about. Oh, you're going to go back? I hope, you get about. I hope you get audited. You keep pushing this so well, hard. No, no. I hope, I, I hope well, to go after you. No, Mr. Secretary, <laughs> do you think there's any, I mean, no, but look, you either, either, by the way, you believe in law and order and you oh, believe I that you that. should enforce the law. But, by the way, right. I had some people tweeting me saying, well, do you believe in, in uh, taking you know, shoplifters? And yes, by the way, we should enforce uh, shoplifting in America. You're too. not just going to target Tea Party groups. Yeah, but no, here's, here's the thing, okay. right? I as mean, the, the, the example is not just like uh, it's not just do you, uh, you know, go after every shoplifter. It's do you at least when you catch them? make sure you, you get the goods back before they go out the door of the store, right? This isn't just about how, how harsh you are being with people who illegally cheat on their taxes. This is, this is about making sure you actually get the revenue that they're supposed to be paying all along. And I have to say, you know, there's a reason why this is something that the president and the Republicans and the Democrats shook hands on, which is that it ought to be a no-brainer. But I guess when they well, took it, it back to the pockets, there was difficult. resistance. It ought to be much more difficult to do it. Like, some type of consumption tax. Some, some, and that's what Brady was saying. Go in in a bipartisan way. Make sure that you change the laws that allow all this, whether you call it evasion or avoidance, just, just change it all so you don't have to enforce it. But it's not the laws that are allowing the enforcement. It's the lack of resources in the IRS. Right. Well, it's not gonna, It's out of the bill anyway, so uh, maybe it goes back in. But, uh, Secretary, thank you. You're on, a, you're on like a speaking tour on this whole infrastructure thing. You're like a, a, a front man on it. And, and uh, they, got, they got a pretty good guy doing it. You're, you're smooth. You're good. Thank you. It's part of the job, and I'm glad to do it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. Great to see you. Cheese will be next. Coming up, the new AT&T looks a lot like the old AT&T. At the end of the day, the good news here is that the fundamentals are actually in good place, Joe. For a long time, they were so distracted by these media assets that are now all being divested. Axios' Sarah Fisher and Netflix recommendations when Squawk Pod is back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. AT&T reported quarterly earnings this morning, and the adjusted quarterly profit came in at 89 cents per share, beating estimates by 10 cents, with revenue also pretty much above forecasts. And AT&T saw better-than-expected customer additions in its wireless business, phones, and a lower-than-expected churn rate. AT&T has been shelling out billions of dollars to upgrade its networks to the 5G technology, as demand for the faster service surges with people working from home and learning online. It also added nearly 3 million domestic subscribers to its various HBO services. Mayor Town got a lot of buzz, for sure, and raised forecast for global HBO Max subscribers to more than 70 million by the end of the year. So those numbers, the HBO numbers, are interesting because in May, AT&T said it would spin off its media content and create an entirely new global entertainment company with Discovery, making AT&T a core communications company once again. Here's Joe. Join us now to discuss uh, more is Sarah Fisher, Axios media reporter. We can, uh, 
I guess it comes under your umbrella for a little while longer. I guess telecom is part of media, Sarah, but uh, sooner or later, it, it's going to be... Huh? Until when? Then it's over? No, I'm saying that there's so many other things in media that Sarah would be ready to talk about. That's true. Like Netflix or like, I don't know, all these other things. And, and AT&T, you know, Sarah, one thing I, I think people forget, won't AT&T shareholders have, have a stake in how well Zaslav runs those assets? I mean, isn't that a potential upside? That, that's something that's not pointed out very often. That's true. They will have some upside. And so that 2.7 million subscribers that they added this quarter matters. It also matters if they're lifting guidance. I think they said they think they'll have 70 million subscribers to HBO and HBO Max. So yes, it's good. But at the end of the day, AT&T, the good news here is that the fundamentals are actually in good place, Joe. For a long time, they were so distracted by these media assets that are now all being divested that we weren't hearing as much important notice about things like the postpaid uh, phone subscriber editions or their fiber editions, the lowest churn rate ever for Q2 and fiber this quarter. It's great for the first time. We're hearing great things about the fundamentals. We're not being distracted by this media stuff that, quite frankly, is not going to be as important to their business long term. And there's talk about spinning off or or selling or somehow getting rid of of Xander because it doesn't make sense uh, anymore. No, definitely doesn't make sense. We had a report about that earlier this week. And what's sad about it is they spent a lot of money, I think $1.6 billion on AppNexus, few hundred million dollars on other investments. And they're probably going to sell it, Joe, for I'm hearing way less than a billion dollars. It's going to be likely some sort of fire sale if they don't write it off. And so that's been the weird thing about AT&T. They actually are doing well in phone and internet in their core business, but there's been so much distractions about all these other side things that they need to spin out in order to get back to 5G. How about uh, Netflix? Disappointing or about as expected, given that we knew how the pandemic had affected uh, content, the ability to produce uh, new content and and people leaving, you know, going to to live sporting events or live uh, venues instead of staying at home. So all those things were factored in. Still, you know, still five hundred dollar stock that, uh, uh, you know, that, that any media company could have bought five years ago for for a tenth of that, probably. For nothing. Yeah, no, I think I actually was disappointed. And I'll tell you why. Uh, earlier this year, they said that we forecast the growth to come at the back end of this year, 2021. So Q3, Q4. But the guidance for Q3 was pretty low, Joe. I mean, 3.5 million uh, ads is not that much. You know, I think what made the street happy about Netflix, which is why you saw that stock whipsaw after earnings, was that they're starting to invest in new tricks. Obviously, gaming is the big one, but they're investing in things like podcasts and merchandising to make their franchises more Disney-like, right? More sticky. So I think that the street was excited about that. But ultimately, I do think that subscriber growth is slowing down and it's a problem for Netflix. Yeah. They talk about the firehouse approach. I think they need to be more, I need, I need really quality content, not just, you know, you just don't roll out some crappy movie and it, it, you know, that that's not working for me. And that's what they're doing to some extent. I agree. Maybe, yeah, you do. Got anything good? I that little N, which signifies a Netflix original. I just glaze right over it. And that's a problem for Netflix. Right. They need to, to ramp it up. Spend some more. You seen Dr. Death yet, Sarah, on, on Peacock? No, but I'll add it to my list. You always give me good recs, Joe. Only if you only if you can sit there and watch someone just totally butcher an operation with blood and guts. And uh, it's hard to watch, but it's great. Uh, <laughs> Christian Slater, Alec Baldwin. It's pretty good. 
All right. Um, <laughs> see you later, Sarah. Thanks. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Content-wise. Didn't someone say content is king like 50 years ago? Has it ever been more true? Would you like to be a really talented, creative writer type producer person right now? I mean, you, I would like to. You've got 20 people kind of is. begging, throwing money. I mean, it, it's the ultimate uh, buyer, seller, whatever, whatever you call the writing team. It's, a, it's their time. It's their time. All those dollars chasing. Because there are really good people. Look at some of the things we've watched in recent years. They're amazing. When you, when you watched Breaking Bad, didn't you, weren't you the like, just blown away? The greatest. Who came up with some of those things? Vince Gilligan, the yeah. greatest. Right. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Let us know what you're watching on your favorite streaming platform. Tweet us, Rex, or any comments at Squawk CNBC. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.